Uh, today we are turning to a section in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 16 to 33, and I've asked Senator Emba to come and read from, for us. Yeah. Right. Thanks. Good morning, church. Happy Heritage Day. We are going to get today's scripture reading from uh, the second letter to the Corinthians. It's two Corinthians in your Bibles. And we'll be reading from chapter 11, verses 16 to 33. If you have your Bibles, please read along with me. Paul boasts about his suffering. Verse 16, I repeat, let no one take me for a fool. But if you do, then tolerate me just as you would a fool, so that I may do a little boasting. In this self-confident boasting, I am not talking as the Lord would, but as a fool. Since many are boasting in the way the world does, I too will boast. You gladly put up with fools since you are so wise. In fact, you even put up with anyone who enslaves you or exploits you or takes advantage of you or puts you on airs or slaps you in the face. To my shame, I admit that we were too weak for this. Whatever anyone else dares to boast about, I'm speaking as a fool. I dared to boast about too. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they Abraham's descendants? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I am out of my mind to talk like this. I am more. I have worked so much harder, been in prison on more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. I once was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've seen constantly, I've been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have often go with, gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the other churches. Who is weak? I do not feel weak. Who is led into sin? I do not inwardly burn. I, if I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. The God and Father of the Lord Jesus, who is to be praised forever, knows that I am not lying. In Damascus, the governor under King Aretas, in the city of the Damascenes, guarded in order to arrest me. But I was lowered in a basket from a window in the wall and shipped through his hands. Thanks. This is such a such a powerful, you know, as, as you go through Paul's letter to the Corinthians, you just realize that every chapter you get to, 
it causes you to go down, just to humble yourself before the Lord. We sometimes look at Paul and just think of him as a powerful apostle, but he's opening up his life here. And the one thing that I'd love to say up front is this, the way of the kingdom of God is not the way of strength. It is not the way of power. It's not the way of influence. It's the way of weakness, humility, and servanthood. That's the way of the kingdom of God. And we can see it in these verses. So today, I would like to focus on Paul's boasting about his sufferings. I want us to look at that. And this point of suffering comes in and out multiple times throughout Paul's letter. He talks about it all the time, about his suffering. And uh, to start to look at verse 16 to verse 21, just so that we can, I can close that gap because I'm going to be focusing from 22 to 33. Paul is speaking to the Corinthians and he's saying to them, look, you guys, you are accepting, you know, this is referring to the false apostles to do whatever they want. I'm just trying to paraphrase. With you guys, if it means to slap you, you are just open to that. In fact, we've given them, it's another way, we've given the right to exploit you. And he says, I admit that what these guys are doing, we were weak for it. But that doesn't mean Paul is saying that is, is lesser than the other guys, or it does not mean that he does not have the strategies that these other guys were using so that they can exploit the Corinthians. But he's got a point to where he's wanting to take them, and the ease many thing is to protect the church of God. And to protect the gospel and to protect the people that believed the true gospel, to protect them against these false apostles. Then he goes on to say in verse 22, are they Hebrews? He's looking at them. So am I. Now, in other words, if they think I cannot do what they're doing, I want them to know that the privileges that they have, I have it as well. Are they Israelites? So am I. So if they are playing to that in order for them to exploit you, I want them to know and I want you guys to know that I am an Israelite. Are they Abraham's descendants? So am I. If they are claiming that they have or they know the powerful God and all the blessings belongs to them because they are Abraham's descendants, I want you to know that 
I benefit from that. I am one of them. Other servants of Christ, this gets interesting, I am out of my mind to talk like this. I am more than those guys. I have worked much other. Then it goes on to mention about the imprisonment that is faced. He was exposed to death again and again. Beaten. Rejected. He spent nights on the sea and, 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 and the day in an open sea. He spoke about the danger that he had faced in the city. He spoke about the danger that he faced because of his own brothers. In the city, out of the city, in the country, out the sea. He spoke about all the things that he experienced. Now let me speak to you first of all about the city of Corinth itself, if you've been following us. Corinth, as many of you know, if you've been tracking with us since we started in this, on this journey, was a city that in many ways was like Cape Town. Just so I'll explain. In many ways, Corinth was like Cape Town. Corinth was very status conscious city. And I think you'd agree with me that that's how our city, Cape Town, is. Cape Town is status conscious uh, city. Corinth was a city where you could make a very quick fortune. But in order to do that, you had to know the right people. Does this sound like Cape Town? Make the right connections. And promote yourself wherever you can. Now, in Cape Town, it's not just knowing the right people. It's getting the right reference from the right people, even when it comes to schools. Corinth was just like us, just like Cape Town. Corinth, you had to also in order to make it happen. But it was a city that was very much conscious of the fact that anybody at Corinth, you know, could make it. Anybody. But once you made it, your status, your resume, the connections, that kind of name-dropping, self-promotion, was actually a crucial part of the culture. That it was seen as a strength. The connection, the success, and all the things at current, it was seen as a strength. I have lived in this country for 20 years. 
When I read about Corinth, I try to compare it with Cape Town. We recently hosted our friends from Pretoria, and they testified to this reality. They said there is a huge difference every time we come to Cape Town. The language, what you say, what you see, it feels like you've got a dictionary. It feels like you all go for something the same, but where we're coming from, there is a level of different desires and all that. But in Cape Town, it feels like everyone is going same direction. You are wanting the same, peop- the same thing. It feels like you are all running towards something. These are the people who live in South Africa, but yet they feel like Cape Town is a different city, a different country on its own. You and I never lived at, you know, in Corinth or at Corinth, it depends which school you went to. But I think to bring those similarities, looking at what Paul is attacking here, we can see the things in our city as well. So the Apostle Paul in this church is beginning to see that same culture that was in the world start to enter into the church. And this is the moment that for the Apostle Paul, it begins to raise deep and serious concern. The culture of boasting was starting to enter into the church. And you would agree with me that it is one thing for a city to be known as a status conscious kind of a place, but for the church in that city, for that culture to begin to enter within the church, then there is a problem. And Paul saw that as a high risk to those who were Christ followers. He saw it as a high risk for the church at Corinth. The Christian there, they begin to imagine a version of Christianity that could do, still give them a certain level of status among some of the people who consider themselves the elite. Like, you know, so Christians start to dream and think like, oh, we can have a version of Christianity that could make us fit like those guys out there. They could actually use Christianity to find a level of acceptance if your leaders were influential, powerful, and well-known, so they could use Christianity so that at least they can be equal or accepted in the society, the community, the culture of Boston. A few days ago, I was asked if I could give a session to a group of church planters in uh, CBD. You know, so I went to speak to them about mercy and justice. That's what they had asked me to talk about. You know that I don't have a problem to talk about color because we can see it, but it means nothing to us. Because we are one in Christ, even this morning as we stand, and it's actually a privilege to be sharing this message from this passage on Heritage Day. So in that room, we had a few white folks, but there were a number of black folks who are looking young, dynamic, intelligent, looking to plant. Then I draw a line on a flip chart, 
And I wanted to understand, I said, look, this is the underprivileged and this is the privileged side. Which side are you planting? All of them, they are on the privileged side. Then that really sent a red flag and a message to me because we are a city, when we look at what we are going after, we all want to go after what is shining. We don't want to cross on the other side. So Paul had a concern because if he, what, is, what culture is looking for is what Christians are going for. Paul is saying, not only it's happening outside, but I can see it coming into the church, and you guys are starting to accept that kind of behavior, then there is a danger here. Who then will go plant that side? No, it's not us. God, it looks like God is only sending us to plant in a very good-looking areas and a very strategic areas. Then we have to ask God, why are you not sending us to the other side? I was expecting an amen. <laughs> and Paul says in the midst of all that, they got deceived these guys, by these false apostles who had all the right, you know, um, the right standing, you know, who had a winning smile, who had the charisma that you'd imagine from a leader. The believers found themselves being deceived by these false apostles and completely missing the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And for Paul, he says, this kind of boasting, uh, this kind of, of uh, the culture of boasting is kind of thing that when it begins to enter into the church, it is going to cause a lot of trouble and it's going to cause a lot of division and people are not going to put Christ at the center and people are going to stop actually to give themselves to the true gospel message and they are going to try and build their lives and base their life on things that are not lasting things. And I have to say this, behind the culture of boasting, if you know, even in your own life and in my own life, we all have perhaps different kinds of tendencies towards boasting, but that's not all. A culture of boasting behind it are two key assumptions. And I want to mention to us those two key assumptions behind a culture of boasting. The first one is this. The first assumption in a culture of boasting is the assumption that your successes are the most important thing about you. That's the first assumption. In a culture of boasting, the first assumption is that your successes are the most important thing about you, and we live in that city that has a culture of boasting. So you are defined by your achievements and your accomplishments 
And therefore, you start to feel like you are valued only for what you are able to deliver. Now, we should not confuse the idea of hard working. Success is not wrong, but don't get me wrong here. It is when what drives you is if I get to this, to that, to that, or if I hand that and that and that, I get that. Therefore, that's when I'm going to feel that I am important around, you know, among those who are around me. Then I can look at other people and think that, in fact, now I feel like I have a voice. Now I feel like I can be considered because I have got, you know, I've reached this particular level. And when you begin to fail, because you've been wanting those things, when you begin to fail to meet those expectations, you begin to feel like for the people around you, you become a little significant. Now, this is no one is telling you that you are a little significant, by the way. It is yourself because you are living and being influenced by a culture of boasting which should not, in the first place, be part of your life as a Christ follower. But it's because you've been influenced by that culture of boasting, therefore you set up expectations that are not good for yourself. And the moment that you don't reach to that, then you start to feel like the reason they don't greet me because I don't have ABC. The reason they don't invite me because they don't see me because I don't have ABC. The reason I'm not included, it's because of that. Yourself, you've put that upon yourself. And if you've lived in Cape Town for any amount of time, you know what it is like to live like that. You know that. This is true about our city. You know what it is like to live in this kind of culture of boasting, in this assumption that your successes are the most important thing about you. You know that. But truth be told is that deep down, you are living in fear. There is a particular fear underneath that is driving you. I want to remind us, this morning my focus is to look at Paul's suffering. Why is he boasting about his suffering? Why is he boasting about his suffering? Why is it not that he's boasting about his successes? That's why you see I'm attacking the side of success because that's not what Paul is boasting about. Did he have a lot of success? Yes, he had because without Paul, the New Testament wouldn't make any sense. You would agree with me, the amount of letters we've just done about 22 or we are going to 23 weeks of, you know, uh, the letters of Paul to the Corinthians. Paul is not boasting about his successes, but he is boasting about his sufferings.
So when we are pursuing the things, when we are wanting to do things as the way the culture wants us to live and to do things, there is always a deep insecurity because after all, if success is the most important part about you, then your failures are the most shameful parts about you. And now you need to hide and deny your failures. Is this not what this culture teaches us? When you greet someone, how are you? Where I come from, the person said, I'm fine. Then two minutes later, the same person, you saw the person, he or she's weeping, you know, she's in tears or he's in tears and other people are standing. Then you start to wonder, this person just told me I'm fine. Why is it that two minutes later, the person is now busy weeping? Now, this is the culture. In fact, this culture has really done a greater job to make sure that even us Christ followers, we start to live in that reality. We start to hide our failures. And we start to become very selective. If I speak to that person, that person is going to look at me as though I'm a very weak. But here we have Paul, is rejoicing in his weakness. We become very selective. Who can I talk to when it comes to my weaknesses? And where can I go and speak about my successes? Now, when you come to me, you talk to me about your successes. Then you go to another brother and sister, you talk to them about your weaknesses. Then you are not real. If I do that, I'm not real. Somewhere, somehow, the gospel hasn't done its deeper work in me. Because when the gospel has done its deeper work, there is no need for me to be scared about my weaknesses. There is no need for me to hide my weaknesses. I was again reminded of this. The last two weeks, I've really been struggling personally with my health. I was just feeling tired. I couldn't sleep properly. Andre was struggling. But Andre, many times, Andre is so strong and hard, going, yes, faith. But the last week, I got so much reminded. I felt the Lord saying, you don't have what it takes outside of me. We were sitting in our elders meeting on Thursday. I sat on the couch. When we were driving there, I said to my wife, I just want to ask my brothers and my sisters if we can cancel the meeting. She asked me why. I said, I'm finished. Tired. I sat on the couch. I would have, you know, swallowed. I needed to swallow my pride. To stand up and say to my brothers, this is how I'm feeling. I want you to pray for me. And I did that. I did not keep my pride. I did not want to pretend that I'm very strong. I did not want to pretend that everything is fine. I told them that Andre is not fine right now. And I thought that I'm not going to leave this room if these guys are not going to pray for me. They laid their hands on me. They prayed. As we were driving back home, I said to my wife, 
I am feeling a deeper sense of peace and something has left my body. We got home, I slept, but I haven't been sleeping well. I slept like a baby and the next day I was rejoicing and singing. I'm standing here freshly because I had to admit to humble myself that the kingdom of God is not about being strong. The kingdom... The way of the kingdom of God is not for the strong. It is for the weak, the humble, and those who have a servant heart. Friends, we have to accept when we need help. But the culture out there, it is the culture of boasting that tells us that you keep it to yourself. What we've just read, Paul is opening up. Friends, the gospel of being of vulnerability is not a gospel of weakness. It doesn't mean that if you are vulnerable, then you are weak. In fact, the opposite is true. When you are vulnerable, it is a sign of spiritual maturity. The kingdom of God is not... Up, then down. It's coming down, then going up. Christ came, then he went up, he's lifted, seated at the right end of God. This first assumption, the first assumption is that your success is the most important thing about you. It leads to a second assumption, which is similar but far more dangerous. The second assumption is that Success is what you start to use to reassure yourself that you are, you are acceptable, that you are okay, that you are worthy, and that you are enough. This is very dangerous. Because when you start, you run for success as the first one because you are looking. Then once you get whatever you want, then you start to feel like, now I feel like I'm worthy. Now I feel like I'm accepted. That's the most dangerous one. Do you see what happened there? If you are here, and this is how you're living, please repent. Let go of all those things. Start to trust the Lord. Those things are shakable. Those things are shakable. And if they are taken away from you, where will you stand? Friends, people commit suicide. You are not better than them. It's not that they were stupid. It's not that they didn't want to leave. Go find out some of them the letters they left behind. It's, got, it's because the majority, they hired so high. They aimed so high, sorry. They wanted to get some stuff. And once they get to that, yet inside, they felt that emptiness. There was no meaning in life. There was no purpose. They found what they were looking for. They worked so hard about the things. They really gave their, themselves and 
you, you know, it even cost them families, marriages, and all that relationship. And friends. at the end, they found themselves lonely. We have to be careful. The culture of boasting is the most dangerous culture. If success is what matters to you as far as other people are concerned, if that is the thing that is at the center of your heart, my brother, my sister, you have to be careful. Achievements in life are great, but our hopes should not be placed on that. A great career, it's a good thing. We praise God for that. Great job, Henning. We want Christians in every spheres of life. We want, um, you, we want Christians in high position, policemen, these, you know, in banks, in businesses, everywhere. But we are not defined by what we do or what God has blessed us with. We are defined by who we are in Christ. You don't let your resume be used as your justification for your value and existence. Don't let that be used. If people praise you, say glory to God. But say, this is not what makes me. I am a child of God. I'm loved by God. I'm a mere sinner forgiven by grace, accepted by God, not because of what I have, not because of what I've done, but because of what Christ has done for me. Friends, we need to hear that. We need to speak that truth to ourselves each day. We have to remind ourselves. We are going to fail we are going to make mistakes. But if you can just remind yourself that you are loved by God, that should, that, that's enough. He loves you so much. He loved me so much. To the point that Jesus accepted to come and die on your behalf. Listen, we are celebrating Heritage Day today. Representing different cultures in this room. Christ has brought us together. Now, let me get to this point. Why is it that Paul, instead of going quick to say, let me boast about my ministry, he's not even getting to work yet. He starts to talk about his ethnic group. He said, I'm also an Hebrew. When I studied that, those verses, I'm an Israelite, I'm an Hebrew, I'm a, full, I'm, a, I'm a servant of Christ, you know. In fact, more than those guys. When I studied that, I said, wow, Paul is looking at himself and he look at those guys, 
Paul is trying to say, these guys are misusing their privilege. They are not good stewards of what it means to be a good Hebrew. They are not good stewards of what it means to be a good Israelite. They are not representing Christ well, even with who they are. Friends, you have to steward. If you are Congolese, you have to steward your Congolese sheep. Amen. Amen. <laughs> if you are a Nigerian, you steward that. It's a gift from God. How do you steward that? Let me give you an example. We have black South Africans here. If he, out there, the culture is saying no to every foreigner nation, you should be able to stand and say, am I not a South African like you? Was I not born in this country? Do I not have the right also to say go? But for the sake of Christ, I am not doing what you are doing. But this doesn't mean that I'm weak, but I'm just displaying the love of Christ. The same way that I'm loved by Christ. I am not an Israelite. But I know for sure Christ came to die for sinners like me. Therefore, I can steward my ethnic group and use it wisely. It is a privilege, but I'll use it to the glory of God. I am not going to stand and push foreigners because God is the God of widows, orphans, and foreigners. You're utilizing your privilege in a good way. You are stewarding it well. The Apostle Paul is not boasting in what he has achieved. He's boasting in his suffering. We know for sure the critiques that Paul had received. I'll mention some of them. You know, they would say that if Paul is an apostle of Jesus, wouldn't his ministry be blessed? We looked at that last week. I said it because these were the critiques. Why does he run into so many opposition everywhere he goes? Everywhere he goes, people are trying to kill him. Does he really have God? Why is it that things are not working right for him? Everywhere he goes, people are opposing him. If he was really an apostle of Jesus Christ, wouldn't God bless his ministry with success? Why is there such hostility everywhere? So Paul knows these were the critiques. This is what they were saying about him. But Paul is not hiding these things. In fact, he's bringing them to light. Yes, they've beaten me. They throw me. I got actually being... Listen, that time, in that kind of context, for Paul to say that they put him in a basket. Think about this. They brought him down through the window. What kind of an apostle is this? What, in, in that context, it doesn't really make sense. You, you believe in a powerful God, but yet you are, you are running not through a BMW that they packed outside and put you there with bodyguards, but they're taking you, put you in a basket through them. You are not a true apostle. We want to see a limousine 
packing downstairs with a red carpet. People are opening the doors for you. Then we'll believe that you've got a living God. But that's one, that was not the case with Paul here. And he was happy with it. He was happy to open up and to talk about it. So this is not my case. Mine is different. In fact, I'm rejoicing in my weakness because it reminds me that it's not about me, it's about him. Therefore, I can boast in the suffering. I can boast in my suffering. Why would Paul boast in his suffering? Here's the truth. Paul understood the gospel. He understood what Christ has done for him. Paul's gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel that changed his life. That gospel says, no matter who you are, no matter what your ethnic background is, no matter what your class, no matter your class, no matter your status, no matter your gender, no matter who you are, this gospel, it says, no matter what you've done, whether you've lived a life of good, moral, self-sacrificing duty, or a life of self-satisfying pleasure, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, you need the forgiveness of Jesus. And it's only offered to you as a pure gift. Paul understood that. Therefore, he was happy not to boast in ministry success. He would have actually said to these guys, amongst you, can you tell me how many trips you've done? How many churches you've planted? How many people you have baptized? How many people you have led to Christ? In fact, the churches you are trying to go and do your ministry, these churches, I planted them. Paul would have said that. But because he understood the true gospel and what Christ has done in him and for him, Paul would boast in his suffering. Being vulnerable, I repeat again, is not a sign of weakness. And that gospel message is a message that, that says, in Jesus Christ, every single one of us, we are equal before God. Whether you are rich, whether you are poor, different cultures, but one God, one spirit, and one Lord Jesus Christ. We are all one people in Christ Jesus because of the gospel. We are equal in dignity. The poor and the marginalized, the forgotten and the rejected are equal in dignity in Jesus Christ. And Paul understood that. Therefore, this was his motivation to try and protect the flock, to try and protect the church, and would boast and open up in his, about his weaknesses without having to worry how he will be seen or judged by other people. I want to ask you a question. Where is your confidence? 
Is your confidence in the gospel and the Lord Jesus Christ or your confidence in thing? Why are you too worried and scared, especially when there are things that you feel like you have to share with people? Why are you hiding those things? Why are you not letting God break in? Because God can break into those areas through people, maybe someone sitting next to you. And God can want to use that person so that he can break in. And you surrender to God and say, God, I'm here. Transform me by your grace. For I know you love me so much. What Paul is trying to say is that my gospel is not the one that divides, puts the, the, the rich there and puts here. The gospel of Paul, the reason why he was facing all those such, uh, uh, sufferings and punishment, being beaten, etc., was because Paul's gospel was not only touching people within the church community, but it was disturbing all the setup, even in the government of his time. Beaten by the Romans... You know, running away not from his fellow believers only, that like he said here, it is not only his fellow believers, but there were so many people, fellow believers then also the government. So his message was the message that was changing things around. So if the culture is saying you should have A, B, C, D in order for you to be accepted somewhere, boy is saying, no, that is not the case. The gospel I'm bringing to you is that Jesus left heaven. He came down. He came to live amongst us. He died for us. Now he's seated at the right end of God so that if you believe in that Jesus, in his life, in his death and his resurrection you are accepted it doesn't matter your status you are accepted as a child of God and you are part of the family of God therefore you have the right to live your life in full freedom God bless you can, can we stand I want to pray and I want to really ask that let's land here The reason Paul suffered is because the message of the gospel is so radical. It's liberating. And it is so equalizing that it offends everybody on every side. The poor, the rich, etc. That's why he suffers. And I want to invite you, if you are here this morning... I want to invite you and to Christ followers, I want to remind you this. This gospel message that we believe is not to keep us in prison. It is for freedom that Christ came. We have to enjoy our relationship with God. We have to be the people who live in this culture of boasting, but yet we are reflecting Christ because we are the light of the world. And the way we live within the community of believers, this place should be a place I heard grant pray that prayer. The way we live our lives here, when people look at us, should admire the way we are living, the way we are loving each other, the way we are doing life. And it's part of that. Today we suggested that we are going to do this picnic, a community moment together as we celebrate Heritage Day. 
But we want to be the people who are living not in fear, not hiding our weaknesses. We want to be a place where we can speak freely to our brothers and sisters in Christ. We want to be a people who show our weaknesses to each other because weakness does not mean that you are not a Christ follower. Sharing vulnerably does not mean that you are a lesser Christ follower and the other person is a more spiritual and powerful Christ follower. In fact, it's a sign of maturity. I want to invite you, if you're a Christ follower, won't you allow God's spirit to really, really speak to you? That you may become today, if you leave this place, a person who is so much free, enjoying your relationship with Christ and with other believers, without fear, without trying to look into the world and copy what is happening there, and therefore you start to become like the world. My prayer is that your minds, our minds will be renewed. That we would see things differently. And if you are not a Christ follower, you are here this morning. I want to pray and ask you that maybe the things that you are trying hard to get in your life, to chase in your life. You know, God blesses us with all that we need. The most important blessing is the fact that you are alive. And the God I'm presenting to you this morning is the life giver. And not only this life, but eternal life. Can I invite you that this gift that we receive from him, we call salvation, is a free gift. Paul, at one stage he was called so, did not believe in Christ. And when he encountered the living God, he surrendered his life. He went on the other side. Today we are reading of him. Because he surrendered his life to Jesus, he said, come be my Lord and Savior. Here I am. Maybe it's your time today to do that. So that all other things can start to make sense in your life. You can gain the kingdom perspective on your work, your marriage, your relationship, your parenting, etc. God can help you in those things. Surrender to him this morning. I invite you to say yes to Jesus. I invite you to say, God, here I am. Accept me as your son. Accept me as your daughter. I surrender my life to you. I cannot do it without you. Here I am, God. Maybe some of you, you are here. You are just returning back to your father. You can also pray and say, Lord, I am here. Forgive me. I'm coming back home to you. Coming back home to you. Will you maybe pray where you are? Just... Maybe there is a particular thing that I've just mentioned this morning. Then you feel like the spirit wants you to really stay there. Can I ask us, can I invite us, just pray around that thing. Just pray around that thing. Just pray around that thing. Just say, God, maybe it's something that you want God to start to do in your life now. Maybe it's something that you want God to take out of your life. Just pray. Do business with God right now. Pray for your heart. 
Pray for your life. We're going to spend a few moments in prayer. We're going to pray in particular for two sort of barriers in, in terms of what living out what Andre has preached this morning. And the first kind of relates to the way we view our purpose in life. If we see that the, the purpose of our life is to pursue comfort um, and hide away from suffering and get as much of what we want and what sort of pleases our needs as we can then it's going to be very different for us to view a life like that of Paul as one of success and one of meaning. If we read these verses, we see that Paul talked about a lot of suffering because of the way that he lived, and we see that in many of the apostles' lives, and we see that in Jesus' lives, lives of simplicity, lives that didn't look grand or full from a world's perspective. And so we're just going to take a moment to, to think around. When, when you use your, your time, your treasures, your talent, when you view what is a successful life and how do I make decisions, what principle are you using? How are you going about that? Is it based on a decision of how do you maximize your comfort and your happiness? Because that most likely won't lead to you boasting in your suffering. But if you, you turn that around and... You say that as long as you're alive, it's for Christ and that everything you do here will be based on him. And when you make decisions about how to use your time, your treasures, your talents, about what meaning is, it will be based around bringing God glory and that being a life of meaning. And that will allow, allow you to embrace suffering. So just take a moment and reflect on what is your ultimate purpose? How do you view meaning in your life? And pray that God will allow you to answer that meaning is as long as you are here, you live for him. And where culture has crept into the way that you live your life and make decisions, would God heal you of that? Would he allow you to move forward, living your life based on his scripture? God, we come before you and we say that we lay down our lives for you and we forsake everything for you. And then it becomes so tempting to embrace the world's culture and actually then do everything in our power to keep control of our lives and to prevent any form of suffering from coming upon us. And we just want to rather reorientate ourselves around you this morning. We want to say we live for you and you alone, whatever that means. We want to say that our meaning comes from living from you and not from things in this world. And the second thing that we, we see from these scriptures and what Andre was preaching is that as we embrace 
suffering. It's not necessarily that the world is going to come alongside us and pat us on the back and encourage us and say, well done for living this way. It's actually probably just going to ignore us or it's going to scorn us and say that we're living with folly and that what we're doing doesn't make sense. And so the only way that we can do that and embrace our sufferings and our weaknesses and to boast in them is if we find our identity in God and not in the opinion of man or the people around us or what cultural society says. And it's so tempting to care about what other people think or what society says success is or how we should look or what we should do. But just take a moment asking God to free you from that and allow you to only care about his opinion so that you can rejoice in your sufferings even if culture thinks you mad, even if the people around you think you're weak, that you would know you're strong because you're standing on God as your foundation. God, we pray this morning that you would remind each of us of our identity in you, our identity of being loved and complete and whole as we embrace our identity as sons and daughters of you. We know that as we do that, it's pleasing to you, God, but to the world it might look like folly, it might look like we weak, but we pray that you would give us a boldness and a courage just to always pursue you and to feel fulfilled by you, God, not to be swayed by the world or what they think. May everything that you find valuable and meaningful be what we find valuable and meaningful. As we as a community embrace these words, God, we pray that we would be able to reach many people for your name because we are single-minded, we are focused on your mission and we are not distracted. We pray that as we do that, we'd be filled with your joy and your peace. Amen. Amen. Can we encourage Andre this morning with a round of applause? Thank you.